Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Caitlin here with you guys. Hey, everybody. It's Jessica as well. We are going to be talking all about your academic vocabulary ecosystem, as boring as that sounds, but also scientific. It's also also interesting. Like, what the heck are you going to talk about? right? Mm -hmm. Like what is an academic vocabulary ecosystem? What does that even mean? Um, it's an interesting topic that is basically how we operated in our ELA classrooms. Like this was just, this existed all the time, which is why we're using the word ecosystem. It's a Mm -hmm. part of everything that you're doing in your classroom. Absolutely. Um, So before we dive into today's episode, I would love to invite you to leave a review for us on the podcast that helps us get our podcast in front of more middle school ELA teachers so they can hear our message um, and hear what we have to say about teaching middle school ELA, all the mindset stuff, all the be, do, thrive stuff, all of the engagement and rigor um, and things along those lines. So it would mean so much to us. And if you do let us know over on Instagram at EB academics. So with that being said, let's dive into the podcast episode. Jessica, what the heck does it mean to have an academic vocabulary ecosystem? What is this? Sure. So I think the, the most simple way of understanding it is it's the environment that you create for your students using the language that is going to be important in reading, in writing, in speaking, and listening throughout your school year. So it's those core words that you want your students to know, to use, to be so comfortable with in any activity they're doing all year. So, I mean, we could go down different routes here, but I think we're going to be focusing on response to literature, academic language. So these are the words that we taught our students to use in their writing, to use in a Socratic seminar, et cetera. So we're Mm -hmm. talking words like claim, premise, evidence, justification, et cetera. I'm sure those are words you're using with your students, right? Maybe it's a variation of the words. Maybe it's evaluate instead of justify, whatever it is. But those are the core words, again, that we want our students to use in our classroom environment. Yeah. And I think what's so cool about that is you look at those words, you go look at the standards Mm -hmm. for Common Core State Standards for ELA. They're everywhere. That's all a part of reading literature, reading informational text, writing. Those words are used time and time again, that especially in middle school, that's what the standards want us to do. And I just think it's so fascinating because not only are, is claim premise evidence justification applicable to writing in middle school when we're writing about literature, but when we get to high school or, you know, one of our teachers in our EV writing program was talking about how she used that framework and this academic vocabulary that we teach, um, to write her graduate paper when she was in graduate school. And her professor said, this is one of the most well-structured papers I've ever read. And I just think that that's so interesting that it's not just, Hey, we're going to use this in eighth grade. These are things that we're going to need time and time again in life. And think about it in a job, you know, you might need to provide evidence and reasoning for why you want to do a certain thing at work. You know, if you're trying to bring in a new program to your school, or you want to do something different, maybe in another profession, I like to use shark tank as an example with my students they are always asking, well, where's the evidence? You know what I mean? What's your claim? What are you claiming as a company? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? Where's your justification that this actually works? It is seen all the time. So for this to become a part of your students' academic vocabulary and for it to be a part of your classroom ecosystem is hugely helpful for not only their academic success, but their success in life after school as well. Absolutely. And so it comes down to like, how do you set up this ecosystem, right? Or create this environment? And it's being really intentional. It's determining what words are you going to make 
important and crucial in your classroom? And how are you going to spiral that in all year long? So for Mm -hmm. us, it was, you know, teaching this particular writing style, our EB writing approach to our students at the beginning of the year, teaching them claim justification, et cetera, and then having them practice it and write multiple responses to literature all year long. Then anytime we have a discussion saying to our students, what's your evidence? Can you justify that? Then teaching our students to ask themselves those questions or ask each other those questions during a discussion. Mm -hmm. I remember my principal walking in one time and one of my students was saying, do you have further evidence to support that premise? (laughs) And he looked at me and he's like, what did they just say? Like he was blown (laughs) away that 10 year olds were saying that. And it's because we set that tone in our classroom, right? We had posters all around our room with those words and those definitions. I use them every single day. Like my students knew what they meant and it became such a natural part of our environment. And that's how they became stronger, more analytical readers, writers, how they became more critical thinking students, right? They Mm -hmm. weren't having these basic discussions. They were tying in that evidence. They were justifying their premises. And that's something that had to be taught and then carefully created and curated all year long. Yeah. And so it's not just happening with an RTL. It's not just happening with a short response to maybe a reading question that you're giving your students, not just happening in a Socratic seminar. Let's say that my students are doing a silent debate and they're walking around the classroom with post-it notes, responding to questions. You bet your butt that they are going to find evidence to support what their claim is or their, you know, their claim and their premise. They're going to justify it. Um, And they're also going to, when they're presenting to their classmates, let's say I put them in groups and I give them a question. That question is going to have an answer that follows that academic vocabulary with a claim, with a premise, with evidence of justification. And so that's also really important for me as the teacher to understand that this is what I'm requiring of my students because that leads me to ask better questions where the questions that I'm giving my students for their reading, I'm not asking them, who's this character? What color dress did they wear? Which is so frustrating with the program that we've used. I'm not going to name the program. And, but in the past students were like, why does this care? What dress the character wore irrelevant, right? We want to actually ask them questions that get them to be critical thinkers, analytical thinkers. Um, and I, I just think it's so important because again, I've heard someone else say it. I, I can't remember who it was. You might know. Um, but the quality of our life is determined by the quality of the questions that we ask. Right. And so think about that, the quality of our students work, the quality of the responses that they give are based on the quality of the questions that we are asking them. And then that becomes really cool is you can have students start creating questions based on the fact that these questions have to be open-ended. Students have to be able to formulate a claim to prove or disprove their position with evidence from the text, right? It's just, it's such a powerful thing for you and for your students as well when this becomes a part of every single thing that you do on a daily basis in your classroom. I love that. And I think the ripple effects with students is when they do start to just naturally say, okay, I need a claim premise, evidence, justification in my writing, in my speaking, et cetera. It eliminates the writer's block. It Mm -hmm. gives them the confidence. They know what they're doing. And it really is a game changer in your classroom. It's the building blocks of your ELI curriculum. So I don't think enough can be said about this academic vocabulary ecosystem. And we really want you to try creating that with your students this year, determine those important words you want your students to know and use them everywhere all the time, (laughs) visual displays in your discussions, et cetera. Yeah. You can even make little, uh, like notes 
to uh, laminate and put on your students' desks. I did that. Oh, I did that for sure. That was hugely helpful. Um, So even though this was a shorter episode, I think there's a lot to be taken away here. And we'd love for you to actually, you know, take this, implement it in your classroom. Um, And so we would suggest if you're like, I don't know where to start. I don't what words I should use. Use ours. Use the ones we just gave you. Use claim, premise, evidence, justification. We actually have a great um, free lesson for you that, that does reinforce these concepts and these academic vocabulary terms that we use on a consistent basis. It is a literary analysis detective or whodunit kind of mystery activity. What happened to Walter Bountiful? Um, Students formulate claims. There is a part there for counterclaims. If you teach upper grades and your students need to do counterclaims, which are a part of the standards. Um, so if you go to ebacademics.com forward slash detective lesson, you can go download that for free um, and start using this in your class. Have that be like the first introduction. I think there are even posters for every single one. I was of just going to say that. I think there are, yeah. I mean, it's everything you need is there for you. And you're, we're going to guarantee your students are going to love this lesson. Like they're going to be yes. begging for more and you're going to be so happy because all those academic words are right there for you. Now you just need to start spiraling them. Yep. Love it. So again, evacademics.com forward slash detective lesson. All right. That's it for today's episode. Next week, we will be back to talk about one of the things that we always get asked about that we know is a massive pain point for many middle school ELA teachers. And that is grammar. How the heck mm-hmm. are we supposed to teach grammar? How gra- grammar workbooks are so boring. The stuff that they've given me at my school, what am I even supposed to do? So next week's podcast episode is all about that, how we teach grammar, what our suggestions are for you. And we have a free download that we'll be sharing with you for grammar <gasps> next week. So as well. much fun. Yes. Cannot wait to talk about that. All right, you guys have a great rest of your day and we will see you next week on the podcast. Bye everyone.